I have I have written down here. This is less beat boopy than your. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a, great. Coincidence. Yeah. Welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 136, the Soul Check episode. Very excited this week to have Matt Langson from the group 117 out of Canton, North Carolina. They are an EDM, pop, punk, uh, alt band, a lot of other stuff in there too. You just can't pin them down. Matt and I talked about their EP, Revenge of the Mountain Medley, which should be out by the time you hear this podcast. 117 uh, is more than just a band though. Um, They are... They have a label, they have a podcast, uh, they, the label is called Rock Candy Recordings, which you probably have heard of already. Uh, make sure to go and listen to both 117 and some of their other acts on the label. We'll have links to that in the show notes, of course. The new EP, Revenge of the Mountain Medley, is a little bit of a departure for the band, but also retains uh, kind of the heart of what they do. So it's got a little folk tinge to it, uh, of varying degrees, depending on the track but um, not too far away from what you know of 117. You can find the album at 117isalive.com and also rockcandyrecordings.com and also, as always, in the show notes of this podcast. You're going to hear my discussion with Matt Langson in just a few moments, and right now, here is 117.
Yeah, so I think this is the very first song that I wrote for this EP. Um, about 10 years ago, we did another EP that was called Attack of the Mountain Medley. And it ended up having this song on there called Appalachian Wine. And almost all of the songs that we wrote for that EP were kind of a joke. You know, it was sort of us just like sort of making fun of where we come from, but also kind of embracing the weirdness of it at Mm. the same time. Um, And everything that got put on that EP for some reason, it's like sort of the thing that we became known for on the Internet. Um, and it doesn't sound anything like none of this EP sounds anything like what we normally do. Like, I'm sure I think you might've heard some of our stuff before it's all, you know, super beat boopy and synthesizer (laughs) heavy and stuff like that. Um, I have, I've written down here. This is less beat boopy than your, (laughs) that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think when I first started out with, with this one, um, it was just kind of started out with that little, with just the acoustic guitar loop. And I ended up like looping that guitar around. And then I'll do some, I'll do what's called top lining a lot of times where you just sort of take a loop and sing a couple of ideas over it. Um, and a big thing, you know, like within Southern culture, like all of the uh, country songs that I grew up listening to that I really, really love are kind of this, uh, you know, constantly being beaten down by our circumstances in life right. and everybody's kind of got their own shit that they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's a way to flip the coin and kind of look at it from a different perspective, you know, like in a way that like, man, we, maybe we really are kind of blessed. And um, so I feel like that's kind of a lot of times like in life, I forget that everything that's happening right now, like is the thing, you know, like I live so much in, the worrying about the past or anticipating the future or like, you know, like rewriting my past in my mind or even just like simple conversations that I have with people. Like I really wish I could have done that differently or said that differently. Um, and I'm a a chronic worrier about how things are going to play out or Mm -hmm. that I am missing the point of life and I'm going to get to my very last day here on planet and just be like, Oh God, (laughs) I completely screwed all of this up because I didn't get the point of it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I didn't either appreciate or see or understand what was happening. And so I felt like, well, why don't I just write myself a song that reminds me of like that feeling that I get when I do feel like I'm in it. And I think that's sort of the idea um, for, for hiding in us was like, I, you know what? Everything good that life has to give us is kind of here right now. If we can sort of just tune into it and shut everything else out and like be present with the people that we love and with our family and our friends, even when things get weird or difficult or you're in like conflict with people, it's like, man, those kinds of things, even that conflict can be appreciated because after the fact you're like, well, I'm a stronger, I have a stronger friendship with this person now, or I have a stronger marriage or like if everything is just always, you know, butterflies and rainbows uh, and unicorn buttholes, (laughs) you know, you're just kind of like, Oh, but it's like, it's that weird dissonance that we sort of encounter every day that I think we just, we see it all as being, uh, maybe something, something a little more worse than it, than it has to be. Yeah. So it's just kind of a reminder for me. I I like the idea. I like, um, songs that are sort of a chronicle of a, of a time Mm -hmm. or an experience. 
Uh, like, I mean, even just a standard love song is a chronicle of, you know, here's how yeah. I this person. But also there are time, there are ones that are like about, you know, people's children, their parents, uh, an experience they had. And this is an interesting take on that where you're, you're chronicling a feeling that you have that you wish you had more. Like it's almost a reminder to like, you can listen to this later and say, Hey, this, when I was really feeling that here's what I wrote. So you can kind of reattach to that at a later time, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just remember like, uh, growing up listening to all of these, uh, spirituals and stuff Mm -hmm. that we would sing in church. Um, and I just thought it was so, it just got to be so depressing how often this theme of like, well, one day when we get to heaven, it's going to be okay. Like one day. And I feel like that's just kicking the can of joy down the road, you know, until, until you knock it off the cliff. Um, so yeah, that's this interesting. Is a fun that that kind of has it some, um, those kind of spiritual songs, which tend to be from the like lower socioeconomic class of, of mm. religious uh, orders, um, I'll, I'll even goes back to like um, uh, field songs of slaves, where they have that same perception because they have you know a slave has nothing to look forward to in his life; he only has an afterlife to look forward to. But then, and then uh, you know, like the Pentecostal and Baptist community kind of took that too, but they yeah. never like grew away from it as it became unnecessary, you know, when it, right. It's sort of misappropriating a, an entirely different group of people's struggle right. and yeah. just turning it into your own pity party. Right. Exactly. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, tell me a little bit about 11 to you know, like uh Genesis of it, more religious. Um, euphemisms. we, um, so 11D kind of started in the early 2000s when uh, pop punk sort of reigned supreme. And we were super into all these bands like NoFX and Black Flag and Rancid and MXPX and Blink-182. And um, so that was like the thing that we that we felt like sort of channeled uh, what we were feeling in life at that time. Mm. But also the original members, we all grew up in a very... Uh, protestant evangelical culture and so we were we were very much like if you can think of like prototypical youth group kids you know just like (laughs) looking forward to going to see any sort of live music or worship bands or anything like that in our area we just thought that was the coolest thing ever yeah um so we actually all met in a worship band at church um and then ended up uh meeting some people, you know, through that. And then long story short, you know, we, we did that all through high school. And then our senior year of high school, we started to get a little bit of label attention. And then our year, our first year out of high school, I think when I was 19, we ended up getting a record deal from this label that's not around anymore called Flickr Records. But as soon as we got signed to them, they got bought out by Sony. So we sort of immediately found ourselves like, getting upstream to this major label, but then also at the same time sort of being a part of this whole like Christian music uh, subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't take us very long within that culture to realize like, oh, I don't, I don't think that we want to, <laughs> to, for this to be our life. Mm-hmm. Um, or because we all had our own questions about like, you know, as... Um, I don't know as powerful of a of a feeling that we had about Christianity at the time. The older that I got, 
it's like all of that sort of got morphed into a, an anger <laughs> towards that subculture and the right. ideologies that we grew up with. And so as we were sort of deconstructing and like figuring out a way out of uh, Christianity or at least out of Christian music was the same time that we were having maybe the most success like within that market. Mm-hmm. And so there just became a lot of dissonance because, you know, we constantly wanted to be and we wanted to play shows. We didn't uh, we didn't want to see people any differently. We just wanted to show up and do our thing and share life with people in that way. Um, but ultimately, it just our ideologies were not cut out for it. Yeah. And so we, we definitely burned a lot of bridges um, <laughs> back yeah. in the day. I think just acting out like just being dumb kids, like right. not really knowing how to put um not really knowing how to how to speak intelligently about what we were going through emotionally or personally. Yeah, and there's lot, um, probably not a yeah. lot of um, uh, leeway in the Christian rock community for like personal behavior and personal choices. That's no, yeah. <laughs> no, and the sad thing is, like all of that behavior still has like all the 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 crazy rock and roll stuff that that parents are always warning kids about. Um, all that stuff happens. It just happens secretively, right, you know, it right. just, it just doesn't happen as publicly as everybody thinks it does. But, yeah. um, yeah. So, so how, anyway. um, how many of your, like what percentage would you estimate of your fans? Did you pull with you from the change from, uh, Christian to rock to the, uh, kind of punk pop beep boop. I mean, it's, I, <clears throat> yeah, from the beep boop. Um, I think I probably get a couple of emails or messages a week from people that grew up with us, uh, listening to the stuff that we did when we were uh, on Christian labels, and they're just absolutely sorely disappointed. Oh. Um, <clears throat> people that, uh, I don't know, they say they say some pretty nasty things, uh, or say some really mean and hurtful things to you about you. Uh, and then think that it's totally fine to do that because somehow they're justified in their faith yeah. or because weird. God, you know, because they're somehow like holding the party line for God. And that's you from know, like by, how long ago did this change happen? Like, uh, seven or eight years. Yeah. I mean, this is, this has been a little, a little while ago now. Wow. Um, people but, really hold a grudge. but they, well, <laughs> have you ever been to church? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, but for the most part, I feel like we were just very, we learned how to be open about what we were experiencing. We learned how to be open about how we were feeling um, and about being honest about our spiritual journeys and the things that we thought about God and um, and spirituality and what that looked like in our own lives. And I think just attesting to that honesty and learning how to be honest in that way with people um, brought a lot of people along with us because... You know, we're 30-somethings now, but a lot of our fan base is between 15 and 35, maybe. And they are, they're all kind of going through that same uh, exodus, I think, from from whatever church looks like in America mm-hmm. to just, I don't know, just stepping outside of that, you know, broadening their horizons and like understanding. I think it's also like, it's easier to see the faults and the flaws within that kind of system now, especially with the internet and everything. It's like every, every week there's like a new mega pastor who got, (laughs) you know, denounced for, I I don't know, screwing kids in the youth group or something. It just, 
And we we saw that for years, and it was just like, just didn't really want to have any part of that. I think it was just, yeah, it just turned us off to it. Found bravery in bottles before I threw it up. And patience in the time it takes to try and sober up. Thought if I could settle down that they would let me off the hook. Found out the preacher's daughters aren't the angels that they look. people who send you emails a couple times a week <laughs> saying right. you guys used to be cool man <laughs> you guys used to be cool when you were praising christ right. and now now you're going to hell and i'm the only one that can stop it right. um yeah uh mean streak was uh one of those um I, th- I think a, a, lo- a lot of people that we've grown up with in life, and there have definitely been times in my life as well where I feel like I just have these things that sort of keep me from being the person that I want to be. Or sometimes you you find yourself in a situation where you're like, wow, I'm like drinking way too much. Or I get involved in this thing or that thing. Or, oh shit, now I'm addicted to this substance. <laughs> and it like those things just happen so fast and they happen so frequently and I don't know if anybody at least like within our group of people who doesn't have friends who kind of go through that and then the other uh part of that coin is like once you kind of have those kinds of things in your life and you realize that you don't want them to be part of your life anymore you kind of look around and you realize like oh my god look at all this like damage that happened and how do I pull myself up out of this hole how do I try to make things right with people 
And at the same time, you can it, it can feel like you're crawling out of this hole and there's somebody waiting at the top of the hole to just like kick you in the face, yeah, you know, yeah, or yeah. push the ladder back on you. Right. Um, and and sometimes that's just part of life. Like sometimes those failures, those struggles, those addictions, those things are just they're what your chapter in life is right now. And it doesn't mean it's always going to be that way, but there's something to be uh there's something for you to learn. There's some kind of superpower developing in you because yeah. these things are happening to you. Um, and so Mean Streak is just kind of this reminder uh, that it, that it's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit <laughs> of a this reminder to that, like, that, you know, when you go through things, yeah. it's character building, but it really is. I mean, it teaches you, you know, as a child, uh, when you go through, when, you know, fall and scrape your knee and you cry. And then you, you know, if you have a parent that yeah. says, is that really hurting still? Or are you just upset that it happened? You know, they kind of work out that, that kind of, that kind of thing with you. And then that builds, you know, it instills the, that, those kind of problem solving and kind of perspective having insights that you need later in yeah. life. But you never, you never stop doing that. You, you learn as you, hopefully, you know, you never stop doing that as you get older, you know, I'm 54 years old and I'm still learning that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 I totally understand that. It's, um, it's sort of like this, uh, some of the 12 step ideology too, where it's like, man, there's some things you just can't control. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you're trying to do the right thing. If you're trying to crawl out of the hole, like it just, there are always going to be things there. And like, maybe today it's not the day you get out of the hole. Yeah. Maybe it's next week or next month or next year. Um, so it's, I, I guess in that way, it's sort of a, a lament, Mm -hmm. but just kind of, put to a poppy tune <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. um who like so right now um 117 who is in 11 11 what is that band i'm is 117 right not just 11 am i saying it right yeah it's a, yeah it's a, it's it's 11 okay. right, i'll normally like abbreviate it to 11 because i end up having to type that word out oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> 50 yeah. times a day yeah. um yeah so it's it's me and uh davy Davenport um and normally we are we're you know like I said just beat booping mm-hmm. <laughs> around on synthesizers and our live show is more of like a sort of a EDM type dance party kind of situation with like visuals and projector screens and you know kind of fun fun stuff that you want to throw a fog machine at uh-huh. um so but yeah he's um he was the the bass player and I used to play guitar uh, when we were kind of more pop punk heavy and that was really fun. And then it yeah. ultimately kind of destroyed our spines. And now we have to go to the chiropractor oh, <laughs> in oh, our thirties. We're like yeah. visiting the chiropractor all the time now. Have you played any live shows lately since the, since the pandemic? Well, right before the pandemic hit, we were supposed to go on a tour of Japan. Um, and then like the week that we were supposed to be on the plane, is the week that like all of the COVID mm. shit hit the fan and it, yeah. it got so bad so fast and the the world just kind of lost its mind for a minute. Um, and so it, every time that we've kind of gone back to the drawing board to be like, okay, well maybe let's try to book it. Uh, let's try to head back there at this time. And then all of a sudden there will be a, another COVID outbreak in Japan. Yeah. And so all the places around there that we would need to get into and out of like, South Korea, 
um, they just, it's been, (laughs) it's been real hard to book a tour. Um, (laughs) I imagine it's also, it's the kind of thing you don't want to spend too much effort setting up something that you know, you're going to have to can't, you might have to cancel. Um, even if things look okay now, uh, cause that's happened before where, you know, a few months ago, uh, vaccines came out, everybody, you know, things started to open and then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, it shut down again. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and I, yeah, I, I mean, maybe I need to, I need to have a little bit more, uh, mental or emotional fortitude for it mm-hmm. at this point. Cause this is every, everybody's going through that. Yeah. Um, it's been really cool to see all of the, um, all the singer songwriters kind of picking up and doing the brewery circuit again mm-hmm. and, and figuring out what that looks like in Western North Carolina, like what live music looks like. And it, it's, I've definitely seen some, some missteps maybe, but uh, yeah. no, no judgment on my end. I'm just, I'm happy to see our friends like picking up and doing gigs and getting out in front of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause it's been a very lonely year and a half, I think for, a lot of us just trying to figure out yeah. what's next. But, you know, I think that goes back to uh, what you were just talking about. This is going to be, I hear a lot of things, you know, a lot of negative, obviously it's been a negative year and a half, but um, also, you know, a lot of good has come of it and um, will continue to as people sort of readjust their expectations and um, kind of priorities. Um yeah. With this, with this kind of thing. I think a lot of people are, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, that, that it kind of helped, helped them clarify a few things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We had, I, I feel like I'm, I think about shows a little bit differently than I did before. Um, I, cause I, we played one festival like uh, two or three weeks ago in hot springs mm. and we were able to do our set. It felt so good. It felt so good to be around people and, um, and like having a good time and seeing people dancing and and being able to act a fool. Um, but then like after the set, there were people that were coming up because people want to talk after the set. And by the end of the set, there are a lot of people were already a little bit toasty. Mm -hmm. You know, they were three or four drinks in and people become really close talkers (laughs) whenever that's the situation. And I was like, Oh, this is, Oh, this actually makes me kind of uncomfortable. Like I, I love, I love everybody. I love seeing them out. I'm so happy that they paid for tickets to come hang out. I just, this, it, it, I don't know the, the pandemic and the way that people handled it. Just, I've, I realized how it had sort of changed my perception of how close I want to be standing to people after a show. She's 
devils i think is maybe maybe the darkest song uh on the ep when i played it for my wife she was like wow this sounds sounds kind of like a girl did me wrong kind of hating on some women kind of thing and i was (laughs) like oh it's actually not that's not what i was thinking when i wrote it (laughs) but she always has like a much better perspective on that kind of thing than i do it's actually like is more about like substance abuse and and addiction and um it's just sort of like the idea that there's this this person who's like this thing might kill me but uh <laughs> at least for right now this is my heaven um yeah I'm realizing now there's way too much way too many heaven references in this EP Ron <laughs> no no I wish that I wish I'd have sent this to you sooner, and you had and you had uh, confronted me about this. Well, that was that was my next question: is uh, what's with all the heaven? No, I think it gives it it gives it uh, some cohesion. You know, there you go, there you go, a theme. You're you're a kind soul. Oh, thanks. thanks. Um, Tell me a little bit about Rock Candy Recordings. Your that's your um, that's your label, right, or your studio? Yeah, it's both actually. so <clears throat> Rock Candy Recordings is a studio that we have here in Western North Carolina. Um, whenever I started out with the band, uh, I ended up, uh, we ended up going through a lot of producers in Eleventy and working with a bunch of different people. And I realized that the thing that I really loved the most out of that process was producing. Mm. And so I started producing for other bands, started doing some co-writes and songwriting for other bands. Um, and then that ultimately just turned into a full-time job. Um, so we recently, about three years ago, uh, moved here to this new space, um, and opened up a studio and it's been really great. Like it's been super fun. I'm like, the thing I'm most passionate about is helping bands, uh, create like label quality releases. Um, and I think like going through that for so many years and just seeing the approach, that everybody has <clears throat> what the difference is between people who are like, well, let's just go pay an hourly rate at a studio and like put something out. And then it's like, well, yeah, but that's a totally different thing than working with a producer right. who can kind of like see your music from the outside, tell you what's really great about it. And then knows how to sort of like get into pro tools and make, make you sound as absolutely best as you possibly can. Um, and I kind of live for those moments. I live for those moments, like working with bands where it's like, oh my gosh, where the, like the band surprises themselves mm-hmm. with how good they sound. Oh, I used yeah. to love those moments uh, when we first started out recording and working with producers. And so I really like facilitating those moments for other people as well. Cool. What are some yeah. of the acts you have on your label or who are? I guess? Well, right now we are doing like we, we self-release everything for Eleven D, mm-hmm. um, I also do another band called the Jelly Rocks, which is just even more synth pop, beepy boopy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had, I think that in the last year, uh, we've done some singles for the Maggie Valley Band, oh, yeah. which I don't, I don't know if they've been on this 
show. They or have not. not. They've been on a like a mini episode, but not like a with yeah. an interview. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, they think yeah, they're too good for me. Stuff. <laughs> oh man they would be so nervous if they heard you say that they're <laughs> there's there's some of the kindest hearted people i've ever met oh yeah. um but yeah so yeah we do that but a lot of the times you know it's like if there is a band that is that needs um that we really just believe in the material that they have but at the same time, it doesn't look like they're going to be in a financial situation to be able to put that out. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, a lot of times we'll work something out with the label where we'll kind of, you know, move some monies around in a different way. Um, but for the most part, we really like uh, sort of coaching bands on like, hey, let's just put together a budget because what we want is for you to be able to have the rights to all of this stuff and to be building up your numbers on Spotify and Apple Music and um, and getting, putting yourself in a situation where you can count on a specific set of money each month from streaming, Mm -hmm. because that just like takes the, takes the weight off of artists, especially during things like a pandemic where that's one of the only sources of income that a lot of artists have. So, um, I, I know that, that a lot of artists see Spotify and streaming and all that stuff as being problematic and in many many ways it is i don't mean to like discredit that argument at all sure um but it does but exist it, and it is but it does exist yeah. and this is the hand that we're dealt and this is the the way that things are now and i would rather spend more time figuring it out and trying to get good at it than uh wishing that it went away because right. i don't think it's going to <laughs> yeah, yeah. so more from matt langson of 117 in just a few moments and more of 117's music want to remind you that their new EP, Revenge of the Mountain Medley, is out now. You can find it at rockcandyrecordings.com, 1177isalive.com, or look at any of the streaming sites for um, 1177. Hey guys, this is Kendra. And this is Zach. From the Brown, Brown Mountain, Mountain Lightning, Lightning Bugs. Bugs. And this is Waves from our new album, Folk-ish, which you can find online you can stream it you can download it or you can buy physical copies from our website which is brownmountainlightningbugs.com we also have some really cool t-shirts and some stickers so head on over there you can also find us on all of the social medias and we'd love for you to come join us don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wnc original music wherever you get your podcast also follow us on facebook and instagram uh, links for that in the show notes, or just search WNC Original Music. I don't think it'll be that uh, confusing. I think it's pretty much the only one. Uh, corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with uh, Jennifer Alvarado. Custer was a soldier and ultimately a general in the Civil War and in the Indian Wars. And custard is a type of ice cream that's a little bit creamier. I think it has egg in it. So we were both right. Hi, this is Danny and Matt from the old futures and you're listening to WNC original music. Tell me some, um, some either local or national, uh, musicians, bands or musicians that you think people should listen to more. Um, I don't know why it's not like standard protocol that everyone at the age of 13 gets introduced to electric light orchestra. Oh yeah. Um, 
I just feel like that. Wait a Wait yeah, a I'm. Hold a on a second. I got huge see. Jeff Lynne fan. I love just. I got to see if that's the most recent thing I was listening to. Oh yes. Okay. Let me see. Can you see this? What's the most recent thing I'm listening to there? Can you see it? Oh my gosh. Yes. That yes. is the. That's the ELO version of Xanadu without uh, Olivia Newton-John. I love it. It's great. Yes. Yes. Um, Huge fan of Jeff Lynne as a songwriter, um, as a storyteller. I mean, I'm into everything they ever did. Um, All the orchestrated stuff. I especially, and see, that doesn't seem like a lot of people wanted to follow them into the more synthesizer heavy world, but of Mm -hmm. course that would be me. Yeah. so when they started kind of, you know, firing all the orchestral people uh-huh. <laughs> and be like, oh, we've got a Korg Juno or a Roland <laughs> Juno here that we can do this with. Right. Um, I was just, I was there for it a just because I think the songs like are so good. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, um, so. there's a podcast. There's a great ELO podcast. They do like, they're just doing every song. Um, I'll see if I can find the name of it and send it to you. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd awesome. love they to know do, about it. They do the history of it, you know. Um, it's really, really interesting stuff, you know, because you don't think of ELO as having like, I mean, of course they have a history, but it's the kind of thing where I'm like, they're not, I don't know if they're popular enough where somebody's written something on every one of their songs, but apparently these guys find that out. So uh, it's it's interesting to to listen to some of them. I'm so, I'm so glad. I, I'm so necessary. Or I think that's so necessary. The... When I listen to ELO, they're like everything I love about the Beach Boys and the mm-hmm. Beatles, like just kind of put on steroids. Yeah, like yeah. they're they're sort of happening on a budget where everybody else sort of feels like they weren't. <laughs> right. I know that's not true because of how expensive it was to record back then, but yeah. Um, I love them. All right. Anybody local? Maggie Valley Band. Not even gonna let me say it. You're like he's gonna plug the Maggie Valley band. Um, I obviously love the Maggie Valley band. There are so many. I mean, the the amount of amazing folk music that I feel like is exists in this area is completely underrecognized. I feel like Rolling Stone could just come here and write articles on some of these bands for the next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're so good. Um, I love uh this band in town called Robots Win. I don't know if anybody that does more of the singer songwritery stuff would even mm-hmm. know who they are, but um, they're a pretty cool Asheville staple, at least for me. And they just put out some new stuff that I was able to actually mix for them. So I felt oh, cool. really happy to be a part of that. Um, John Charles Dwyer lives around here, and I don't know if you've ever had him on this show or not, mm-hmm. but he's one of my favorite singer songwriters in the area as well. Um he came onto our podcast and is just just about the nicest salt of the earth guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes yeah. some of our local local bands like um, I I almost like am irritated that they're not more well known, you know, because because mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a weird thing where like you know Asheville is supposed to be a, a like a musical hub, a musical destination. Um, but I, I feel like I'm frustrated that, it, that it's not being exported enough. Like it's being imported. People come here, but it's not being <clears> exported. <throat> and we have, we obviously have successful working bands, you know, like Hustle Souls, they're touring the East Coast. Yeah. And Andrew Scotchy plays, uh, he could play, uh, you know, eight nights a week if he wanted to. Um, 
I just saw Andrew Thelson's schedule for the upcoming week and he's playing, you know, yeah. too. Um, but, but yeah, I like, I, I want just like two or three people to like really just be nationally known tomorrow because they should be. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. Frustrating. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, I ho- hopefully that's like, hopefully we're helping people take some really important, uh, steps up the ladder. Yeah. Uh, at rock candy. Um, cause I, I, I love helping bands out. I love being able to sort of help them polish and refine what they're doing and get it ready for export. Mm-hmm. And I hope that in the next few years that um, we can really figure out a way to kind of pipeline yeah. uh, those acts and and platform them in a really healthy and, and cool way. Yeah. <laughs> so... told her, don't go chasing rings. They put you out to pasture when they get down on one knee. Oh, baby girl, I used to dream like you. But just cause daddy pays the bills don't mean that I ain't paying too. Cause men like Moses can split those oceans. But here's the hope.
the most folky of the folk songs to me on this EP. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um, oh, and don't let me rush yeah. it. There's something else you want to talk about, about if I'm passed over something about one of the other songs. No, no, you're good. Okay. You're good. Um, and you've got a great beard, by the way. It's a oh, it's a very thanks. friendly, like, hey, let's sit down and have a beer kind of beard. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. This is like the shortest <laughs> it usually ever is. I, I shaved it off. I was off last week, and I shaved it off at the beginning of the week. And this is So this is one week of growth. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah I can't get anywhere close to that. Mine just kind of ends up in little if I've got closer, patches. Yeah, I got a little bald spot That's a great beard right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you. Were, uh, sorry, you were asking about Carolina Pine. Uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to not be. Oh, we can keep. Talking I'm normally about my the beard person to go off on tangents. To, <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep talking about it until it makes you so uncomfortable, right, right. and you have to call for backup. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think Carolina Pine is like my favorite song on the EP, hands down. Um, I think it probably took me. I don't know, a week and a half, maybe two weeks to to write it and demo it and make sure that like all of the lyrics were the way that I wanted them to be. I know that there are some artists, especially uh, there's some acts that we've had in here. I don't know if you guys cover a lot of hip hop and stuff around the Asheville area, um, but we we had a friend of ours, Spaceman Jones, come in for to do a single with us before, and he was so good at just writing off the top of his head. Like, he wrote in this completely different way that was just super organic, super like, oh, this is just what I'm feeling, and here, and we're just going to make it rhyme. And, like, we'll play the song three or four times, and then he's written all the lyrics that he's going to use. Um, and I am definitely the kind of person that's like, okay, let's do some creative free writing, <laughs> and then let's see if there's a cool idea that comes out of that, and then right. take that idea, and then nitpick it to death and then see if we can make things rhyme even more Mm -hmm. or if there's a more clever way to phrase something or a more dramatic way of phrasing something that kind of pulls these images uh, out of your mind so yeah I feel like I definitely have the um I don't know the IT tech support (laughs) kind of approach to (laughs) songwriting I wish I was a lot quicker at it (laughs) I like that um Um, wait a minute hold on that gives me an idea I want to make a list of songwriting lyric techniques and i like the IT tech support i'll give you credit <laughs> All awesome right. All right. just had to write that down no not like i'm recording this I'll hear yeah it later. yeah right <laughs> um I yeah i just think when so i was I don't forget it right. exactly exactly no you're cool um in my free writing i just i ended up with this um with this image of uh, this girl in my mind who uh, is growing up in a very similar uh, area and space that I grew up in in South Carolina. Um, And that uh, I started channeling a lot of these stories that I heard from my grandparents and from my parents. And like, we're not so far removed from, uh, I don't know, this really sort of strange uh, melancholy in the South of you sort of get born into this situation and it wasn't, but just a few years ago before it's like, nobody's going to, nobody's encouraging you to go to college. You know, nobody's encouraging you to like to get out and do any, and do anything 
uh, special <laughs> with your life or to experience the world in a different way or to think about the world in a different way or um, to encourage you in music and say, like, you can get good enough at guitar that that guitar can fly you anywhere around the world that you want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or this sample pad, you know, <laughs> get really good at samples and uh, like music is just amazing to me in that way. Anyway, that gets off gets off on a tangent for sure. <laughs> Um, but the idea was like the, of this girl who grows up hearing these stories from her mom where she doesn't look at her mom and dad and like see like a loving relationship. She kind of like hears her mom in the first verse, you know, sort of saying like, hey, be wary of of growing up and falling in love because it doesn't always look the way that you think it does. Um and then she gets a little bit older and then you sort of realize in the song that um, that her dad completely has all of the cards in the family and that when he comes home, you know, he's been drinking. There's like some domestic violence and things going on in that. Um, and then at the end of the song, it sort of culminates into she's living in this cycle, you know, in the chorus, she's kind of crying out and saying like, somebody please just get me out of here. And then it's so easy for life to just come in and completely uh, make you forget. You know, yeah. the, the immediacy of the moment can sometimes feel so overwhelming. And before you know it, you've thrown so many different futures away. Yeah. Um, and that cycle like, gets locked in so young for some people. For a lot oh of people. my God. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We, we've seen a ton of that in, in our family and, uh yeah it's 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 sad um but i think there's also like a really beautiful story in it as well as well and i kind of feel like mm -hmm. that's what carolina pine is is like at the end of it you know she sort of gets proposed to and you don't really know if she's going to perpetuate the cycle again mm -hmm. or if she's going to get out um and that's kind of life you know that's like i don't know the realist example of life that I can think of is like we we don't know what we're gonna do <laughs> like we see yeah. our friends do a million different things growing up and head in different directions and everybody kind of ends up in, in crazy places you never would have thought and the same is true for you you know like <laughs> you can wake up one day 10 years from now and just really surprise yourself with how good or how bad it is yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I like that. I like that ending too, because it's not, not only is it, um, that you don't know what she says, you don't know wh what way it goes because this is more, you know, more than just one person's story. You know that for some people it mm. goes this way and some people it goes the other way. So some people are making yeah. one decision. Some people are making the opposite decision, um, and kind of like fixing things or writing their you know, yeah. mistakes or breaking that cycle. And then some people aren't some, I mean, mm -hmm. I, you even hear some people say, you know, there's just no way to, I'm, this is just the life I was born into. I can't get out of it. You know, they'll say it just that plainly. Yeah. And you know, yeah, that's yeah, wrong, yeah, absolutely. As long as they believe it, it's mm. true, you know? And it's also like a lot of times we don't know what it's like in their head. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, from the, on the outside looking in on a lot of those situations, it's so easy for us to be like, yeah, but literally just pack up and leave <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you're you're fine but then when you're when you're in that person's head and you have all those experiences and all of that specific sets of of uh trauma um it it changes the way you think yeah. about yourself and about others and i think if i can just do like one small thing and just like 
writing a song that allows me to be able to just look at that cycle mm-hmm. it helps me to understand it helps me to have empathy um and maybe understand the ways in which i'm also caught in cycles mm-hmm. you know yeah and i'm also a, a a victim of of circumstance sometimes um so yeah yeah that's interesting um what do you um how do you uh, approach recording the songs you have written? Like, I know you said that you start like, like some songs you start with loops and layering and that sort of thing. But um, when you do an actual recording, are you sitting down and starting from scratch and saying, okay, I'm going to record this song. I'm going to put these tracks down, this track down. Or do you, you know, kind of uh, record as you write, like you said, with one of the other songs. It's all kind of happening at one time. And every, like, when I'm writing and recording, I might not know everything that needs to happen or where everything needs to go, but I know that maybe I'll just have this idea that, okay, well, this is what a drum needs to sound like right here. Okay, well, now that I've got this sounding cool, then, you know, it sounds like maybe this snare would work well. Well, these two samples create this really great beat together, and so... It's like trying to not get bogged down and like making the whole song <clears throat> immediately at once and like getting overwhelmed with all of that. But just like, hey, here's just a really small decision that I can make that I feel good about. Mm-hmm. And eventually you do that three or four thousand times <laughs> and yeah. then you end up with a song. Um, but yeah, for this one, I, I really love uh, I love drums. I love big kick drums. I love big claps. I love sort of feeling like, is there a drum kit or is it just a whole bunch of, you know, people and we're just doing, we're just making rhythm together. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that, a lot of that stuff kind of starts out with, well, let me, let me create a drum loop that I feel like moves me yeah. or that I feel like would be easy to chant or sing something to or clap along with. Um, and then that inevitably, you know, you just kind of start goofing off over top of that and singing lines and, and different things come out. And it's fun. <laughs> so, all these songs really like uh, had a really interesting mix of acoustic and you know, uh, I guess I wouldn't say electronic, but you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Electric mm-hmm. instruments, you know, drum tracks, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like you're talking about, were you were there any songs that you were tempted, or you had any songs lately that you were tempted just to say, I'm just going to do an acoustic guitar and voice on this. Yeah, I mean, Carolina Pine was definitely that song. Right. Um, and then I ended up going to see, or going to hang out with the Maggie Valley Band, actually, mm-hmm. one night. I can't remember if it was for a show or something. And then they introduced me to this guy, Casey, who plays uh, lap steel for them. And he was just absolutely phenomenal. And like the next day I called him and I was like, hey, I have this song I think you would do a really, really fantastic job on, um, because, uh, pedal steel is no joke, man. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's still, still just, it seems like wizardry to me right. to watch somebody who's really good play it. Um, yeah, but I'm really, really grateful that they put in the time to, to have that be, you know, their pixie dust that they're putting out into the universe. Um, for a lot of the other songs, I, during the pandemic, I ended up buying a lap steel, mm-hmm. And just started looking up YouTube videos on how to play lap steel. Um, 
so that's where a lot of those electric guitar kind of sounds come from. Yeah. Which is really interesting because like lap steel makes you think about what you're writing in a totally different way. It's like oh sure, it's very limit limiting in one way, but it'll make you think about the attitude and energy of a song in a different right. way. I think that's amazing. It takes you out of your regular patterns. Exactly. Play, yeah. Yeah, for sure. If it's all chaos, if nothing's meant to be, if it's all wild, 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 because you never set it free, you can't catch it, you can't push it through a sieve, it's as much as you can handle, it's as much as you let be. You can beg, you can plead, you can barter with St. Pete. For half a peace of mind and some goddamn certainty All your life you've been told There's a man behind the curtain And he can give you purpose for a handshake and your soul But what if it's all curtain? Mm, what if it's all curtain?
Yeah, so Curtains is the only song on the EP that was a co-write with Mallory and Scott from a band called The Rough and Tumble. They're actually from here or from the Black Mountain area. Um, And then, and now they just like kind of travel the U.S. in a camper with their dogs. Uh, But they're some of my favorite songwriters of all time. And we go way back. Uh, Yeah, Rock Candy's put out some stuff for them or from them before. Um, They're just, they have a really interesting way of looking at the world and one of the things I learned from my time in Nashville was just how uh, how much fun it can be and how eye-opening it can be if you've been in the studio for a long time, you know, just kind of slaving away, doing your own thing, to get out and do something communal like co-writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody just kind of shows up with a notebook of like, well, here's some interesting or dumb thoughts that I had <laughs> during the day right. or for the past week, and maybe there's something fun in here, and... Um, so yeah, when you've got one person kind of picking around on guitar and, and, and two other people, you know, either top lining or coming up with lyric ideas and stuff, I think the song was probably written in about, I want to say like half an hour. Hmm. Um, cause it just happened really fast and we all kind of caught a vision for what it was. And then I think I ended up going back later and writing the bridge for it just to kind of like tie all of that to once I kind of had time to sit with the song and like understand how the lyrics came to be and what everybody was trying to say. Um, I always think the bridge is a really great place to sort of sum it up mm-hmm. uh, for people like me who may not understand what songs are about. <laughs> I love bridges because yeah. it's like a way to be like, Hey, it's actually about this thing <laughs> and sort of drive the point home. <laughs> I also heard someone yeah. say once that uh, a bridge is a place to say, uh, a couple of things like, like to clarify the point of the song or to say, don't take this too seriously. Um, yeah, they have some good examples yeah. of that where you, you know, this song sounds real serious and then you're like, but all I'm saying is there's a song called, um, uh, Superman by five for fighting. Um, yeah. Are you familiar with that? Uh, it's like 20 years old, but it, it's a good example of that where the bridge is like, I'm just, I'm just talk, I'm just thinking out loud here, you know. So don't yeah. don't don't come crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or it's a way to say uh I, I didn't mean any of that. Uh that just, I just all that was for the words to rhyme and here's what I really mean, you know. Uh and then sometimes it's just a way to uh yeah. put a third verse in there that you want without having it be redundant, you know. There's so many so many good uses for a bridge. Yeah, exactly. I I try to tell people like if there's if there's something about this song or there's a specific line in this song that you need to yell mm-hmm. to people that you that you really want to just like hold people by the face and scream it into them. <clears throat> Let's do that in the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah. like figure out a way to make that emotionally feel more intense. And sometimes that means getting louder and sometimes it means getting way softer, yeah. you know, and kind of like drawing people in with a whisper. Um. So, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, I guess you probably have tons of people talking to you about uh, about these little ins and outs of songwriting oh, yeah, all the yeah. time. That has to be so fun. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. Um, what are you uh, What are you planning on, or do you have anything you're planning on recording next? Have you written some stuff for your next release, or you focused on this too much? Uh, we're we've always kind of got like another album's worth of material. Um, 
that we're always sitting on just because if I'm not working on something in the studio, I'm demoing stuff for 11D. I mean, I think we're probably for sure going to head back into the synthesizer heavy kind of territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, the songs that we write in 11D, I feel it like can be very esoteric and angsty. Um, and they can run the gamut of being like incredibly goofy or like very serious, like, hey, here's what I'm realizing about myself from therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for these kinds of things, like these sort of folk songs, I really like the um, I really like the parameter of just being able to tell a story or like sitting down and having those kind of stories pop into your head and sort of evolve over time, like with Carolina Pine. Um, those are the moments where you... you feel like the universe is trying to heal itself yeah. by telling you stories. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's kind of a little mini miracle. And I, I love being a part of that in any way that I can. So much fun talking to Matt from 1175 for this episode. Don't forget to go and listen to their new EP, Revenge of the Mountain Melody is out now on all the streaming services or go download it at 1175isalive.com or rockcandyrecordings.com. Also, go back and listen to their back catalog. They got a lot of great albums uh, before this one, a little more uh, kind of indie rock tinged, but always very melodic, enjoyable, uh, energetic, just uh, all those um, synonyms for good music. One more time, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcast, or visit uh, WNCOriginalMusic.com, and there'll be links there for you to subscribe to whatever you know what to do. For the closing song this week, we have a really great track from Mackenzie Van Oss. Mackenzie is from Raleigh, North Carolina, just like me, and she is a soloist ballerina in the Carolina Ballet, just like me. She's classically trained in piano, guitar, and drums, and she is currently working on an album surrounding her most recent single, Stereo to Heaven, which you're about to hear right now. Here is Mackenzie Van Oss. Have a good week. Press play. Turn it over. Run it back real quick.
start getting a little more iron in your diet and uh yeah i've and, heard that yeah <laughs> you and checking little, my labs right now and a little less hops your high your hops uh quotient <laughs> is way off the charts 